and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade horror and tabletop podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and today I've got two very special guests with me. I have Jason and Chris from Ice and Dice. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Good morning. It's morning. I'm not a morning person, but I'm here. Well, we're running into it. It's almost, the morning is almost over, <laughs> even if it doesn't feel like it. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, you're here talking about Ice and Dice today. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, Ice and Dice started with uh, mostly as just a, a group of friends getting together for a weekend of gaming. And uh, we've got uh, new leadership and want to take it in a, a new direction, make it a little bit more like a convention. And uh, this year, we're really excited to have some of the original content creators uh, from the old World of Darkness series uh, joining us as special guests. One of the things that our convention will be focusing on every year is a focus on smaller game companies, indie developers, third-party publishers, and uh, guys like that. Who are some of the some of the people you have coming this year? Yeah, Mark Reinhagen and others are going to be joining us. Um, Mark's definitely our biggest name. And um, we have um, more that we're still in the process of talking with. We can, I can go through the, the list of people that were joining with us before we had to postpone, but uh, not everyone's been able to commit with the, the new date at this time. Yeah, I know COVID's really upset a lot of stuff in the last year. Yeah, but um, to, to name some of the people who were going to join us last year, and we very much hope are going to be joining us again this year. Um, we had uh, Bill Bridges, Phil Bricado, Jesse Heinig, um, Ian Lemke, Todd McDavid, Nikki, Nikki Rea, uh, Rich Dansky, and, and more. Um, so we're really excited to have a group of people getting together because a lot of them haven't seen each other, been in the same room in a couple decades or more. And a lot of them were really excited not only to um, be able to interact with fans, but to be able to interact with, with each other. And I think that'll be a really cool experience for everyone. Yeah, I saw you were calling it on the website, the Dark Reunion, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um, we're going to have a, a couple panels that are um, focused around the the gathering of that that group of people, and uh, we have some VIP games that uh, it, people, the some of the different content creators will be running for uh, people at the convention that are specifically uh, for the different systems that they worked on. Um, Mark is going to be running a session of Vampire the Masquerade with, I think, the first uh, adventure or story that he ever uh, wrote for Vampire the Masquerade. And so that'll be a really cool one to to see. Yeah, I saw there's a couple of those. Those look really cool. And then I think uh, I saw you guys are going to be releasing them as like a podcast too, so like people can listen to those afterwards. Yeah, that's the goal. Um, Kelly Williams is um, has a podcast called Maximum Role, and he's uh, works with Mark Reinhagen in his Lost Lorne uh, company, and and um, which is Mark's new RPG that he's working on. 
And, um, and so Kelly will be recording those to uh, share with people so that everyone can experience what we hope will be a, a really cool adventure to participate in. Awesome. Um, and I probably should mention that this is uh, taking place in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, I suppose that is pretty important. It's also taking place in January, which is where the ice from Ice and Dice comes from. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we're going to be on the, the uh, east side of Cincinnati and hope to, to get a bunch of uh, excited people who might want to drive a little farther to join us for the, our World of Darkness guests, as well as get a bunch of our local friends from the Cincinnati area and, and surrounding region, such as people from Indy, where, where you are. Yeah, I know uh, me and my friends are planning to come. It sounds like a really fun time. But yeah, we're going to be doing some uh, a couple different LARPs that are uh, going to be focused on the, the World of Darkness um, settings. Uh, I believe currently we're, we're looking at a vampire LARP and a changeling LARP. And uh, then got the we're going to be focusing on the rpgs and uh board games uh but we will have a couple uh miniature style events um uh, including one that's uh gonna be uh it's not world of darkness related but i think it's really cool so i'd like to talk about it for a moment but uh we've got uh modifius is a gaming company might have heard of them they have uh their new fallout um miniatures game fallout wasteland warfare and uh we'll be running a narrative version of that that uh is i think really cool if you want to uh rest do some pro wrestling with super mutants or uh <laughs> join the enclave whatever whatever you'd like to do you can do a little bit of that and we'll be um using that as a charity event to to raise money for the dav um uh, we're we're going to be partnering with a, a couple of different charities because uh, one of the the tenants that we like to follow is doing good through gaming because uh, gaming can make us feel real good. It's fun. That's why we do it. But uh, I think it's important to help others when we can. Uh, our convention tries to do that by focusing on the smaller gaming companies, uh, trying to help them out and get them some some exposure, some um, new customers, but also every one of us has the opportunity to, to do good through, you know, charities and helping people out. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, um, what charities are you going to be going for this year? So Disabled American Veterans, uh, Tabletop Gamers, and um, Extra Life are the charities we're going to be working with. Um, and yeah, the, we're, we're currently working out exactly what the different groups want to do. We're hoping that um, Tabletop Gamers will be able to do one of their um, like meet and greet style events that they do at, at other conventions. And, um, but we're, it's important for us to, to work with the charities to do something that they feel will be best for them. And we're still in the process of of working that out with with extra life and and um, tabletop gamers, but for the DAV, we will be running uh, the 
um, miniatures event I just mentioned, you'll be able to like, upgrade your character for a donation to the DAV or get a, a respawn if your your character gets shot, uh, gets killed off because it's it's usually a skirmish game and admittedly um, one individual character is a little easier to kill off than than an entire squad. So, um, but you know. Hope, make, hopefully make it a fun way to, to also be contributing to a worthy cause. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I know Extra Life's a really cool organization. Yeah, they, they work, at least here in Cincinnati, they work with uh, the Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which is uh, an amazing organization, does a lot of good for the community and is something that, that we think is definitely worth supporting yeah and for our listeners uh if you haven't heard of extra life you may have heard of the children's miracle network which um they is who they raise money for and we actually have the children's miracle network here in indianapolis as well um so they usually i see more stuff for them under that name around here but um so rolling things back a little bit i know you mentioned you're gonna do uh two different larps it sounds like yeah yeah, it's, it's fun. I got to have my very first LARP experience at a Gen Con this year by accident. Um, so I definitely, definitely will be interested in joining that as well. Awesome. I've personally, I know someone who who has run, not that they're running our LARPs for our convention, but has run LARPs, written uh, adventures for LARPs. I've never actually played in a LARP and I think it would be could be pretty fun. Definitely played a lot of RPGs, uh, tabletop RPGs, but haven't really gotten out into the the field, as it were. Um, so, I I won't get to participate in our LARPs because I'll be, you know, running the events. But uh, I know Jason, you've uh, interacted with that side of things a bit more. Yeah, uh, I've been doing. Uh live action role play uh since the 80s um and you know not the boffer style larps but actual like social larps role playing games in action um participated in some of the very first uh vampire play tests of their larp system with uh, rock paper scissors um for the masquerade system and uh, was active with uh, network LARPs um, in the early 2000s, uh, One World by Night by name uh, here in Cincinnati. And um, so I have, uh, you know, and, and really got into the LARP experience, especially with the network LARPs of uh, playing every week and traveling to different games and interacting over the internet and uh, just, you know, bringing a vibrant world to life uh, through the LARPs and the additional intricacies and nuances of characters that come out, uh, not only through the role play, but also the costuming and the nonverbal cues and everything like that. And so uh, I've had amazing experiences doing LARPs. And I know that a lot of people who come from a tabletop background and then get exposed to a LARP uh, really are like, wow, you know, this is immersive. This was exciting. This got my blood pumping. And uh, so we're, as Ice and Dice, 
very uh, excited uh, to bring something like that to our convention. Yeah, I had always uh, heard like nightmare-esque stories and I was really nervous about showing up to something like that. And then we were just walking through the convention hall at Gen Con this year and someone was like, hey, especially to my friend Sarah, hey, you guys look like vampires. So you going to the LARP tonight? <laughs> like there's a LARP tonight and he's like, well, you're going, you can be my coterie and just gave us where to meet him up. So we just kind of showed up and it was, I was amazed how like welcoming everyone was and how easy it was to kind of jump into. Um, so it's definitely something I want to try more of. We only got that one night's experience, but it was, it was a really great time. And yeah, you said, I'm, Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah. I've, uh, I've read the blurbs uh, for both the LARPs and uh, started to see some of the behind the scenes. And uh, there's some, uh, there's some meat and there's some surprises in store uh, for those who uh, read the uh, blurb and are kind of intrigued and want to get involved. Uh, I think there's really going to be a, memories to be made so you said you're doing vampire and changeling are those going to be separate larps or like any crossover between them uh Uh, they will be entirely separate one will take place on friday one will take place on saturday oh okay Um, they're not in a uh the same universe they are being run by two different companies Um, the changeling larp uh is a little more light-hearted it sounds like and it's going to be interesting. Changeling is one of the World of Darkness games I have the least experience with. Um, I haven't been able to get it to a table or participate in a uh, tabletop experience with it or a LARP experience with it. So um, while I'm familiar with the lore from reading, you know, the actual experience of playing in the game and the nuances that come out, um, you know, I'm not as familiar with. So I'm intrigued to see how they're going to bring everything to life um, with uh, the uh, economics of underwater basket weaving, which is the <laughs> title of the LARP. Uh, it refers to a, uh, a forced class of uh, nonsense that is uh, thrust upon uh, unsuspecting students uh, that all happen to be changelings. Mm-hmm. And these are not tabletop size group LARPs. Um, they will be for uh, large groups of uh, 20, 30, 40 people. So that that sounds like a, a super lot of fun. I also have never gotten to run Changeling. It's, it's in my list of like bucket list games I want to get to, but um, I, I know you're there too, but I was able to somehow get Wraith played before I played Changeling. So well, if you're, if you haven't played because you need players, uh... Well, count me in for a one shot if it needs to be in person. Count count me in for a campaign if it can be remote. <laughs> Two hours is a little little too far for me to drive on a, a weekly basis. <laughs> That's fair. But um, so sounds awesome. So you've got some original World of Darkness alums coming out to do games and panels and whatnot. There's the LARPs. I'm sure there's going to be like games and that sort of thing going on all weekend but one of the big focuses vice and dice you're telling me is more the independent creators as well yeah so um we've got a friend of ours gary chavez who's a great guy he's up in the dayton area and he runs a uh 
a group of for independent game designers that where they can meet up and uh, get play testing from other designers and from players who just show up to try out a cool new game, uh, get feedback from those people and get input from from other designers who who uh, have a you know similar but always different experience from them in addition to just the players who may or may not actually have that uh, perspective of trying to put a game day together. Uh, and so I, I think that group's an amazing group to work with. We're going to uh, be having some of the guys from there that'll be um, joining us for uh, either for just running games or if they want to run a, a demo table, uh, if they feel like they would be they're at a point where they can sell their game or um, potentially even vend. But I, uh, there's a lot of different opportunities for people to showcase their games uh hopefully i'm gonna do a great job of um both bringing together these really creative people with the uh equally creative players that the the gaming industry has yeah i was looking at your website um so it looks like this is taking place in a hotel and they're attached like convention space yeah um so it's gonna be at the uh Eastgate Holiday Inn, um, which is a, I think, a, a great hotel. It's um, gonna, it's right by Jungle Gyms. If you know that about Cincinnati, uh, the, there's two Jungle Gyms though. It's the slightly newer of the two Jungle Gyms, uh, and uh, but Jungle Gyms is not really that important to the convention. So I'll I'll stop mentioning them. Uh, no, I. You can come to Cincinnati just for jungle gyms and people and have do a good convention. <laughs> yes, I uh, I had a lot have a lot of vegan friends, and every time we'd go on tour, if we were coming back from the east, it would be a uh, all right, we're stopping at jungle gyms. Uh, we're gonna fill every single bag we have with food, and then we'll come back to Indy. But yeah, so they, they've got a large ballroom space, which will be uh, we'll be using as a combined uh, part of it as the vendor hall artist alley type space. That will also be where we'll have demo tables um, and there will be uh, gaming in that uh, area as well. Um, and then we've got the uh, a couple smaller rooms that'll be for uh, games as well. Um, a couple podcasts will be joining us and they'll uh i mentioned maximum role already um and the um they'll be recording the 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 vip games but also um doing some other events um mm -hmm. and then we'll have the the larp events that uh that got a, a a lot of great spaces the the um terrace area is in the the lobby next to a nice uh water feature and uh that'll be some uh overnight gaming will be available there and uh yeah we're really excited about working with the eastgate holiday and yeah that sounds like a really good time um speaking of all the groups there um i know we had reached out to people but uh we're all going to be there we had looked into hosting an event as well so you might be able to catch that too yeah yeah uh 
we are always happy to have more and more events. Uh, we have plenty of tables. Uh, my role in the convention is the RPG coordinator, so it is ultimately my responsibility to fill all of them up. Um, and I take that very seriously. And uh, uh, I am very open to anyone who wants to reach out and uh, come and be a GM uh, for a role-playing game at Ice and Dice. Uh, you do not have to be an expert GM. You do not have to have a finished prototype system. Um, you know, come with the goal of having a good time and uh, getting good feedback from people and um, being in the mindset of an open and exciting place um, where there's a lot of energy to be had. That's really... Uh, you know, something I'm really hoping to create. And I know before we postponed, um, we had a, uh, a very diverse and eclectic variety of games being run. And even uh, at uh, games days that we've done uh, since the postponement, um, you know, this is not the D&D and Pathfinder games that you would normally find at a convention. Uh, these are uh, Fiasco, Knights Black Agents, uh, Mothership, uh, Tunnels and Trolls, um, you know, not only newer small press things, but also some old school Renaissance OSR stuff. Um, which has a very strong community uh, in our area and is equally interested in participating in Ice and Dice uh, because the old school renaissance has a ton of new content coming out from a variety of creators, uh, mostly small. And, uh, you know, while not and it has its own style and genre and the word old school or old should not be taken in reference to uh, how they're approaching things. They are not traditionalists. Um, you know, there've been role-playing games like uh, Mork Borg, uh, which have really kind of broken out, even though they are OSR, really broken out of that mold uh, and brought something really fresh to the hobby. Yeah, there's some really exciting stuff coming up. And uh, if you're maybe listening to this and thinking like about applying to GM, if you've got a game that you've always wanted to run and never find a group for it, offer it up. I know when I go to like Gen Con, I'll like just scroll through the list and I'll be like, I've never heard of that. I have nothing going on Saturday night and just try new stuff. So you never know. Um, and I, I'd just like to uh, also point out that uh while it may not be the same D and Pathfinder you find at at other conventions, it, we still uh, will have D and Pathfinder. We just want to focus on the the third party publishers, the adventures and modules written for for really cool systems um, like the, some of the ones that Jason mentioned, but also for the more traditional systems that are are bringing their unique perspective uh to that system yeah that's awesome um so uh this is going to be a three-day event it looks like yep yep uh we'll start on friday afternoon and be going through sunday uh, it's january 20th to the 22nd 
So that's awesome. So we've talked a lot about like the role-playing games happening, the LARPs and that kind of thing, but there's a lot more uh, to the convention. It sounds like too. Uh, what else do you guys have going on that weekend? We want to offer the full convention experience. You know, you're not going to spend your entire weekend uh, gaming back to back to back, unless of course you're me. Um, and then it's fine. Um, but you know, we've got downtime activities like we've got a variety of panels and um, they're all gaming focused, but they all focus on different aspects of the hobby from crowdfunding to a retrospective of the world of darkness to developing a game line to world building, you know, uh, you know, there's really something in there for, you know, any type of gamer. Um, in addition to that, uh, you know, there's plenty of, there's a restaurant in the hotel. Um, there are places to eat nearby. So if you want to go out to dinner with great people you just met, it's a very easy uh, opportunity to do that and to socialize and really get into the fellowship of gaming. Um, in addition to that, uh, the hotel is beautiful. Um, it's got a 15,000 square foot convention space. Um, it's got a terraced waterfall and an upper and lower terrace uh, in the main lobby uh, that is like the center of the convention. Um, so it'll have the pleasant bubbling of water everywhere you walk and the smell of fresh fountain. Uh, permeating the air, uh, which gives it a very, uh, it's not your scale convention air, I'll put it that way. <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, a vendor hall um, that uh, is going to be uh, not just game vendor after game vendor after game vendor. Um, there, while there will be vendors of games, um, we also want to focus on uh, providing a vending space for uh, things like custom-made items. Uh, you know, everybody loves dice, of course. You know, we'll turn down dice um, and uh, 3D replicated props. And so, uh, you know, there will not there will be a wide variety. Uh, that uh, will be listed uh, as we get closer to the convention um, and we assign our vendor spots. Uh, same thing with our demo tables. Um, the demo tables are designed to demonstrate one single game and provide an opportunity for people to monetize the development of that game by selling it. Um, but we want to encourage them to uh, play iterations of their game and continue developing it uh, while they're at the convention. Um, the, the artist alley is something else that I'm uh, pretty excited about. Uh, I don't have uh, a lot of connections to artists, um, but I know that the art of the World of Darkness books has really uh, influenced my uh, tastes and style. Um, the uh, uh, Andrew Broadstreet, I think, uh, or Broadstreet's black and white illustrations from the very first vampire books are 
mood setting and uh, just really convey the gothic punk uh, aesthetic very well. Um, and it's still something that I think of when I think of the Ravnos clan. I think of that iconic black and white illustration. Um, and, uh, you know, so bet between the LARPs, the food available, the role-playing gaming, the miniatures games, um, we have a, uh, a, a, an extensive board game library uh, that will be available and uh, tables for board gaming uh, with, uh, you know, scheduled events, but also plenty of space. If you want to go, that looks really cool and go ahead and bring it down and get it all and put it on the table. Uh, one of my passions is getting games off your shelf and onto the table at least once. Um, most gamers have a wide and extensive collection of games they've never played. And uh, Ice and Dice could be a place where you bring out that game you've never had a chance to play and always saw it look really cool and uh, really just get it on the table there. Yeah, that's awesome. I like the... Um... That's a good way to put it. The the more open community um, style that it sounds like you guys are going for. Uh, like, I know you mentioned like, oh, making new friends and going out to eat and having like open invitation games and having the board game wall and all that. Like, I that sounds, I like just the, the open and like friendliness behind it, I think is really cool and sounds a little more, at least from my experience, a little more unique, a little more spontaneous than the con experience i'm used to anyway yeah and that that's i mean a large part of what we're going for um i mean uh again i mentioned at the beginning that this started as more of a a get group of friends getting together for a, a big weekend of gaming and while we want it to be more than that we definitely want to retain the 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 friendliness and the um the intimacy uh, of that type of of activity uh, we we all at least everyone that i've talked to loves gen con but uh we're definitely not going to be we're not capable of being like gen con and we're not going to try to be like gen con uh we we definitely want to um bring the um the, the the creativity and the passion that both gamers and game designers have uh, to the fore in a, a way where um, you won't feel like a small ship lost in the massive sea of, of fellow gamers. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds awesome. Um, Good imagery. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a super fun time. Jason, I know you had mentioned that you are like the RPG coordinator, and I know, Chris, you've run a bunch of games as well. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about your experience actually running for like conventions and public games and stuff because that's something i've never really done before um so yeah tell us a little tell us a little bit about your experience behind that and like what you enjoyed more about that than like just playing with the same friends every weekend yeah so so i mean uh i think playing with someone other than your friends every weekend is a really large part of it and it's kind of a um a, almost a double-edged sword like there's a little bit of uh anticipation and suspense uh of like who exactly is going to show up i think that makes it a lot more fun 
Uh, I, I think that you can um, have a really interesting group of characters and it's almost like the, the GMs playing in the game a bit more than usual because you're not um, just reacting to the same known um, entities that you, you play with every week. You get to, to react to a new set of, um, of variables. You, you get to, to, to meet new people. And, and I think that's a huge part of the experience, both for the, the game master and the players in, in any con game. Uh, Jason's a bit more experienced than I am with with running uh, running games at conventions, though. So, yeah, I um, here in Cincinnati, uh, I've been uh, participating in public gaming uh, for the past nine years, and uh, pretty consistently, um, you know, not every week, but like forty or forty five weeks out of the year. Uh, seeing fresh faces at games. Uh, one of the best things is introducing uh, new people to the hobby. And uh, if you're listening to this and are kind of interested in horror and own the vampire book but have never played, um, this could be your opportunity to come out and try something. Um, I am all about the new players and teaching new systems and getting people comfortable. Um, I love... Uh, the dynamics of a fresh table where not everybody has, as Chris said, you know, the same reactions you're getting used to because they're all your friends and you know them. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm a big uh, believer in the use of the safety tools, um, such as the X card and the lines and veils um, that make it a... Uh, a consistently fun experience for everyone uh, as they play to uh, contribute whatever they want without feeling like uh, uh, they're putting themselves too far out there um, because we have the safety tools in, in place. Um, you know, I also uh, love indie games. I'm a big fan. Um, I got interest, introduced to uh, Fiasco uh, very early on, on uh, after it got published, and that type of fresh, innovative, non-traditional role-playing um, really attracts me. And you know, if you're if you're playing the same games every time, you, you know you don't have that. But I know in running games at conventions and one shots. Uh, there are some fundamentals as a GM you've kind of got to be aware of. Um, first is you don't have to be an expert on the rules. Um, just have a basic understanding and be able to uh, make rulings, but not rules on the spot uh, and, you know, keep the action going and keep it fun and fresh and fast paced. Um, you know, definitely if uh, character creation is part of what you're doing, um, know the character creation rules pretty well and be able to step people through them in uh, hopefully an efficient process so that people don't get uh, bored and you don't have some people finished and waiting and stuff like that. Ideally, uh, for a one-shot game or for a convention, you're going to provide pre-generated characters. 
Um, you know, and that also helps you in planning uh, by no, by having known quantities in terms of game systems. It's like, okay, this character is good at social interaction. This character is good at getting things done. This character um, has some special skills that are very narrowly applicable, but when they're used, they're very, very effective. Um, you know, that helps you in your planning. Um, the other thing is, is uh, there are some expectations when you do a one-shot um, that you can count on. Uh, for example, um, even if you might be offering like a sandbox type experience, um, it's implied in the social contract that if you throw out a hook, the players are going to bite on it because it's a one-shot and they know that there's something that you're kind of planning. So you don't have to worry about throwing out that hook and having them go, no, you know, let's, let's let the, uh, the, the, the dying guy die. And, uh, you know, just continue going on the road and see, seeing what's going on at, at, at the next city. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Sorry, guy, you're dead. <laughs> Shit out of luck, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, but the one-shot games also, uh, preparation is pretty key. Um, either formal preparation where you've got stats and you've got rosters and things like that, or um, a very detailed mental picture of what you're going to present so that, that uh are going to come out of left field you're not sitting there struggling starting to think about something and grasping for straws you already know the answer because you've put a lot of thought and things into this beforehand that doesn't necessarily you know translate to pencil on paper notes but having that mental capacity to go i know what you're going for and i'm prepared for that you know that really uh goes a long way uh, towards providing a great experience. Um, you know, if you are coming and want to do a, uh, a game for the first time, um, I have a, a lot of experience helping people step through that process. And uh, I would be happy to work with anybody who wants to work with Ice and Dice uh, to bring their game uh, to our convention. Awesome. Uh, there's a couple points in that I wanted to touch on. I think the big one um, is, you know, helping new players to learn. Uh, one of the big things on our show, you know, is we're trying to help new players step into the world of darkness and vampires, the V5 edition, and helping people who maybe played older editions and are wary about picking up another edition another set of rules another set of lore um find like a foothold with what they already know and like join the community and you know get involved with v5 a little bit um so i really do like that aspect of you know getting new players involved and teaching like any game you might be interested in. um is there any um advice either of you would give when it comes to like teaching players a new game um so yeah ultimately uh practice uh if you can uh talk to get some friends together beforehand and uh go over even even if they already know the rules they can play dumb for you or find some friends who legitimately don't know the rules 
and uh, going through and practicing that explanation, whether it's for RPGs or board games, um, being able to go through the rules in a way that doesn't bog the mind down. And what I mean by that is, um, at least with my personal experience, uh, people retain knowledge if you can fluidly teach as you're doing, rather than here's my you know lecture. Now you remember all of that, right? Let's start playing. It doesn't work as well, and especially at a con where you've got limited amount of time, uh, you want people to feel like they're doing something, um, and not feel like they've spent half the uh, session listening to rules. So uh, I always try and incorporate the, the rules teaching uh, to the best of my ability into the beginning of uh, whatever gameplay I'm doing. And, and obviously, if you're gearing towards teaching new players, um, just know the rules. <laughs> but uh, there's two types of cheat sheets. Um, so I generally am lazy and don't print out cheat sheets for my players, which maybe is a bad thing, but I always have my own personal cheat sheet that I usually like have on my phone or something. It's not something I print out, but it's like, here are the rules that I know I need to go over. Here's like the, the order I go over them in to help make sure that it makes sense to, to my players. Uh, that's again, I actually run uh, games more for, for board games than RPGs. But some of the board games um, are have a lot of rules. Uh, Blackstone Fortress by Games Workshop uh, takes a while to, to teach. Uh, like I would never want to spend less than an hour and a half to like with someone's first gameplay, just because that's me going over all the rules and going through their first session. That's not even them like uh, independently playing the game from from me as a GM uh, and. Jason, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, when I do it, I always go from very I always go from a very general perspective. This is what you need to know as the basics of the rules. And the storyteller system of games for the world of darkness, a lot of it is attribute plus ability. Um, once you grasp that, uh, you count up the number of dots and can estimate how good you are at something. You know that. Uh, allows you to at a glance go okay i'm good at this i'm not good at this this sounds like something i could try with reasonable success um you know if you uh D fifth edition if you break it down to you're going to roll a d20 and add a number you want to roll high and have a higher number and then you introduce advantage and disadvantage that's basically all they need to know to get started uh you know is roll this dice add a number and when i say roll with advantage it means this and roll with disadvantage means that um i also come from uh the family of uh, powered by the apocalypse games um and one of my big premises when teaching games is go fiction first um Give me what your character is doing. Tell me what you want to do. Don't worry about the rules. Let me figure out what the mechanics are behind what you're doing. You know, don't worry about move actions and instant actions and object interactions and bonus actions and things like that. You know, tell me um, 
I'm going to run to cover, uh, break out my gun, and lay down a spread of uh, covering fire for my allies. And that'll tell me, okay, um, I need you to roll this, this, and this on your sheet. Um, or go, you know, you're not the best soldier. You're probably just better just diving for cover, uh, you know. Um, and can, you know, kind of coach them that way. Um, but that way, you know, even when telling them, you know, you should probably dive for cover, you can tell them, okay, you know, look at your weapon skill, look at your uh, initiative skill and kind of look at that and go, okay, that's not the best, but maybe my dexterity plus athletics is really high. So ducking for cover is something that I'm really good about. Um, but that principle of going from a uh, very general uh, overview um, and not getting into the minutia and then going fiction first, um, that goes a long way. And that really shortcuts the amount of time you spend uh, on the front end with something. Um, and as you can tell, I do, I do a lot more role-playing games uh, than I do like uh, board games with the technicalities. Um, when it comes to board games, uh, I get kind of bogged down um, and I'm not as efficient in uh, explaining how they work. Um, board games are very much a more play as you go, learn the rules. Um, whereas uh, hopefully in a couple of minutes, I can convey the basics of a role-playing game and we can get into the action and start having fun. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I've always been a fan of like the rule of cool. And especially with like new players, uh, like, oh, he picked up a fire axe and wants to swing it at someone. I'm not going to pause the game and figure out what page the gear equipment is and find the axe and bog the game down for five, 10 minutes while we figure out how that what axe works or whatever. And just like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's just do it. Let's roll it like this for now. If you keep using the axe three games later, by then we'll look up the rules. But now just let's just do it. And I think that's especially good for new players, too. If you've been in a game for like 10 sessions and they put a lot of time and ex earned experience points into your characters, I think players are more wanting to be like, well, I want to do it right because I've earned it. But like when you're first starting in a new game, I think you can kind of fudge it and it's like, well, that sounds fun. That sounds cool. So let's just roll with that. And as long as yeah. that experience and story is fun, I definitely put that first. That's that's a really good point, uh, especially with RPGs. Um it it narrated for newer players uh well it, it's a little bit of a judgment call actually some new players feel comforted by if they're new to role playing and not necessarily to the system are going to feel comforted by um by the mechanics and th they know that this is the thing that i do and i can take comfort in knowing exactly how i interact with the world and uh, so having pre-generated characters can be really important for a player like that, where especially with pre-gens, you can make the effort to know that this is their starting equipment, this is their starting you know, spells, abilities, whatever, and you can have those mechanics very clearly uh, recorded for the use of the player, which actually also then makes it a bit easier for the GM, because uh i think we mentioned i believe that shadow uh jason mentioned that shadow runs one of the systems where it's like the the gm doesn't necessarily need to know everything the player's kind of responsible for knowing the nuances of the specific thing they're going into and if you can empower a new player to know the nuances of or at least the superficial nuances of of that 
that character that helps them have a bit of control while also taking a little bit of the burden off of you but at the same time you have the different type of player that that might even be intimidated by all the mechanics and at that point you definitely want to focus on the narrative and uh just like yeah we're doing something cool and it's um more important that you're doing cool things than the exact number of dice and the threshold you need to hit to be successful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's up to individual GM style and player style too. That's something you're going to have to feel out with any group, but like, I know when my group played D and D, uh, I used to give like a bonus to their roles if they described it really cool, just to get people to be on like, all right, you're fighting the troll. What do you do? I swing axe. Okay, yeah. we'll die. It's like, oh, well, you described it. You took your time to like explain what you're doing. I'll give you a plus one to that role. I think that things like that are good motivators. Yeah, I, I, I know someone whose idea of role playing is rolling the dice while he's playing. And it's like, it's always good to encourage uh, encourage people to think a bit more about the 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 details, the narrative details of of their action. Uh, you can get a lot of fun and almost surprising situations just by the the details of what someone someone does uh, and how they do it, rather than just um, the fact that I'm a overpowered character because I'm a player character and that's how the world works. And I'm just, of course, I'm capable of doing this relatively simple action. It's like, yes, that's true. But you can build the story so much more interest in so much in ways if you if you uh, encourage people to to put the 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 details into things and getting a, a way having a way to reward them uh, so that they want to do that rather than you trying to force them to to tell the story with you is is uh, I think one of the the best things you can do that's both for experienced players and new players yeah um so as we're getting a little low on time here uh wanted to wrap up um usually i try and ask uh, all our guests a couple questions um so the big one is uh in vampire uh do either of you have a favorite clan um yeah so i've only played vampire a couple of times but uh next time i play i'm wanting to um to work with the but uh, the gangrel sounds like a really really cool clan i can't say they're my favorite because i haven't played them yet but i i'm really excited to uh to explore that yeah gangrel are really really fun uh we just did our deep dive series on them uh so well, look, looking for to... some background history i'll yeah. definitely check it out i am a uh i like the panders hmm from uh the sabat um the caitiff clan um that uh that freedom uh that you have not being uh tied into an established clan background and hierarchy and that ability to kind of make your mark uh and you know participate in the foundation of things um really appeals to me um, and I'm a big uh, fan of Sabat from uh, the old, old days uh, when the player's guide to the Sabat was the only source of information 
outside of, you know, oh, they're evil vampires who want to be vampires and they bury people and, you know, and they do dark rituals. And all of a sudden, the player's guide to the Sabbat comes out and it totally flips everything. And you go, oh, wow, they're actually maybe the good guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, having the 15 uh, clans of the Sabbat and anti Jerbu, um, you know, you add that to the freedom of playing a caitiff, um, someone really outside of things. Yeah. Uh, try a pander next time. You know, don't, uh, don't, don't think you've got to be a La Sombra or something uh, like that. Or, uh, yeah. And my other thing is, is uh, I like to uh, lean into the stereotypes of a clan I play. Um, something I learned from LARPing is that there's a lot of rewarding role play that can happen when you're not the edge case of a clan, you are the Ventrue businessman. <laughs> you are um, the Bruja biker. You are the uh, the Toreador artist. You know, you don't have to go for, you know, the Toreador who does uh, tattoos on dead skin uh, sort of edge case. You can really go for, I am a painter and deep dive into that well when you go into the panders you've got all that freedom to just explore anything you want um and, and i also think that the uh idea of a new clan being formed um as part of the lore uh is kind of cool and as a storyteller um lots of opportunities there so many uh hooks that you can throw in and little things like that yeah that sounds really cool i'll have to check them out a little bit more um it kind of reminds me you might like what they've done with um the thin bloods in v5 they're actually a core uh clan now i was actually about to ask about that because uh i have not interacted with thin bloods at all but uh while i was looking over some stuff recently i was thinking that that sounded pretty cool uh i like the idea of being able to balance the the human and vampire world a bit but you also have that massive risk of the you know the real vampires who like see you as something potentially even dangerous to the masquerade by your inherent existence um or, or even or, a sign of the coming apocalypse yeah that too <laughs> like that that sounds like a really cool um area to explore uh compared to the rest of of the 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 uh vampire the masquerade world uh it also kind of goes back to the the freedom in a way that jason was just talking about because they it's just a different type of freedom they have the freedom to more easily interact with the world of uh of mortals of of the uh humans the, the kind right no that's the, the vampire I'm showing my ignorance again. I apologize. <laughs> um, anyways, the uh, I, th I think that that's a really cool area to to explore. Except I I only just read about it recently, and I, I shouldn't have interrupted you. I should have let you tell me more about it. No, it's it's, it's totally cool. I think they are interesting, but they do work very differently. Um, it's weird because I think they're balanced and really fun and interesting, but 
they do are very much like the edge case of vampires because on one hand like you get like as a and your power is the ability to like shape flesh or your nosferatu and you can turn invisible and that kind of thing but like you got to spend points as a thin blood to be able to like i can eat food i can like walk out during the daytime in the sun and like that doesn't seem as cool but like if every other vampire is unconscious during the day and you're just walking around at the grocery store there that's a lot of power if you if you know how to be sneaky and use it properly like that's an extra 12 hours you get over everyone else yeah to me like the that ability to be sneaky and in a normal way uh is is quite intriguing you get to take advantage of of something that seems very benign but actually has a lot of power if you just look at it the right way yeah uh, going back to uh uh old books again you've got uh hunters hunted from first edition vampire and uh one of the things they leverage is you know do things during the day so you know as a thin blood with the ability to be out um you've got some tremendous advantages if you want to pit yourself against other vampires um and i'm sure you would know that best hunter (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) but yeah, it's a, I think they're a really fun one. Um, and then like, the other question I usually ask people is, um, how were you originally introduced to World of Darkness? Well, uh, I had heard some stories from friends about some really interesting games that they played in, including one friend about an interesting story that made him decide not to want to play anymore, which is unfortunate, but that's his story. I'm not going to elaborate on it. Um, and I have just my first time playing, I just randomly was, I'm going to go buy this game store. What are they doing? Hey, they're playing vampire. I guess I'm definitely going to show up. And that was a nice fortuitous moment of um, being able to explore the uh, the game that I've heard some really cool stories about, but hadn't had an opportunity to to actually participate in. So there I am, January 3rd, 1992. Uh, Damn, I wasn't born yet. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about Chris, who I would know in the future. No. Um, uh, So I'm walking into a game store. I see this book with this cool green cover and a rose on it. And I pick it up and I'm like, hey, this is like playing Anne Rice Vampires. This sounds pretty cool. And so on an impulse buy, I pick it up and uh, get deeper into it as I start reading it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. This is, you know, vampires just decide we're just going to lie and make everybody believe it. And that is the foundation of the masquerade. And that that paradigm shift of, uh, you know, this could be reasonably acceptable. It has a reasonable, you, it, it reinforces that uh, willing suspension of disbelief because it is so real. And um, the first edition vampire book uh, is, is filled with little tips and nuggets of larger lore that has uh, as yet to have been written that you're like, I want to know more about that and get your mind as a storyteller start 
thinking about things. And you take little like nuggets, like uh, the most recent conclave was in New Orleans where the Gangle Justicar Xavier convened it. Um, you know, all of a sudden you go, okay, what's the next conclave? Who is this Xavier? Um, how long has he been on Justicar? And all these little nuggets, uh, just the way they're written, just cascade upon one another. And that was my introduction to the world of darkness, was just that, that mind-blowing experience and that ability to uh, set things in the real world and just go, you know, it, it was my first experience to a modern setting game outside of like superheroes and so that ability to use the real world uh to reinforce the fictional world um very attractive to me and you know i just became hooked and you know in in the 90s in the geographical location i was in you know i was the go-to person for all the white wolf stuff um and you know, my personal collection of physical books is uh, impressive and weighty and takes up square feet of shelf space, uh, of which I've all read and read multiple times. Um, and so when it comes to the lore of the world of darkness, uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm pretty immersed in it. Um, and so, uh, but I love the refreshing ability to play a character that is brand new to it and just discovering everything uh, for the first time, um, as well as playing the seasoned expert who knows the ins and outs of uh, Camarilla politics and uh, the Anarchs and the pre-station system and all the little intricacies uh, of boons and harpies and everything like that. You know, I can leverage both sides of that. Um, I've rambled a little bit beyond World of Darkness, but uh, uh, I think you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's one of its strongest um, sales points outside of other role-playing games. Is it does have basically like storylines and characters and ongoing just a world that's basically existed since like 1991 that is continued all the way up until today um like v5 just picked up where old world left off in like the early 2000s so a lot of the it's really interesting as someone who was pretty familiar but um being able to go back and stuff that I thought was new to V5. And then as we've been doing research, like we just did our episode on um, Gehenna and the Book of Nod. And then there's a lot of stuff in there that I that's, that's happening in V5. That like, oh, that's weird. That's an interesting choice they made. And then we look, reread Book of Nod and we're like, wait a minute. They warned us all the way back in like 1995. I just wasn't paying attention well enough. Yeah, I love when they, uh, the, the, the illusion or the actuality of long-term planning and Machiavellian scheming uh, comes to fruition and you go, and you get that light bulb moment. 
Yeah. Um, so I think we're about at our time. Uh, for people who are interested in checking out Ice and Dice, um, where can they find you guys? Yeah, so we'll be having our Kickstarter that goes live uh, tomorrow, which will be not tomorrow by the time anyone hears this, uh, Monday, the 29th of August. Uh, and so you can find Ice and Dice uh, Gaming Convention on Kickstarter. Uh, iceanddice.com is our website that's with the and spelled out i-c-e-a-n-d-i-c-e dot uh, com and um, you can also find us on Facebook there's really no media outlet that we haven't penetrated at this point um, Instagram Twitter Facebook uh, you know uh, Kickstarter um tabletop.events uh you know we're, we're 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 spread out on all of them uh if you uh do a dedicated search for ice and dice uh you will find us and the name of the convention on kickstarter is ice and dice tabletop gaming convention 2023 and so you put in that search term we will definitely come up and you will find the right convention um we are i am really excited uh, about the Kickstarter and uh, hope to uh, just, I can't wait to see this all come together in January. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I'm excited to see you guys there. I'm definitely going to be coming and I think the rest of the hosts will be there as well. So awesome. Well, we're, we will be thrilled to, to see you and hopefully some of your listeners as well. Yeah, it'll be exciting. And if I, if I can get prepared enough, I might run an unknown armies one shot I've been working on for a while now. We'll see. We'll Ooh. see. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if, if you need some, some play testers, we can, um, as I said, virtually very easy to help you out. Uh, drive, if you're willing to drive to Cincinnati, we can definitely hook you up with play testers. <laughs> not, I'm not sure if I can convince a bunch of people to drive to Indy though. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming on. It's been really cool chatting. And uh, thank you guys for listening. I'll have links to all of their uh, internet stuff down below if you want to check it out. And hopefully I'll get to see some of you that weekend.